Good morning. So good to be with you again. And uh, first of all, let me, I couldn't do that last time, but I can do that now. Uh, happy greetings from, and warm greetings from the church plant in Maastricht. We started. <laughs> Wonderful. And apart from Erne and myself being part of that, we've got another member here from the church plant. Noah, where are you? Noah's over there. And he is a blessing to us. He really is a blessing to us. And so we are greatly blessed to have him there. <laughs> and uh, a man with uh, faith and courage to come and join us. And uh, so it's great to have him to be part of it. And please pray for us and for the church plant. We're young, uh, starting with a uh, small group of people in a living room. Uh, pray for Noah for this next season. He is a blessing, but it'd be good that he sees the blessing of God on job and everything else. So let's pray for that. So if you can remind us in your prayers when the Holy Spirit leads you, then please don't forget there is a place called Maastricht in Holland, and we desperately need God's hand on that. And uh, since last time, uh, we've not only seen a church uh, that was already there in The Hague, Redeemer, and from that church now is another church planted in Delft. Um, and uh, there's about 170 at the moment gathering already uh, in uh, five months' time. So it's quite a quick uh, growing up uh, of that. Uh, then, uh, since last time, we started in Brussels. Uh, there's a young church plant there, early days. And then we just had our time of praying also for Berlin to see something of that happen and a church plan come about in Berlin too. So there's a lot happening at the moment. And as most of you are aware, uh, Ney and I are part of a team with Dave and Liz Holden, serving churches in Europe and beyond. And it's a privilege to be with you today. So really, we've been looking forward to be with you. And over the time, we've uh, got many friends here, people that know has come up to us. And so we are blessed to be here. Um, so I have a word that God put on my heart for you this morning. It's not just for you, it's for me as well. It's, uh, but I'd like to read from Acts 4, verse 23, uh, reading from the message, uh, not because I think it's a great uh, translation to study from, but certainly to read from, uh, because it's fresh, I feel, and uh, it, might, it might touch us again even on the passages that some of us might know very well. It says in verse 23, these two guys, Peter and John, been taken captive, and it says seized, and they've been in jail for a night, and then questioned by the Sanhedrin, the, 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 the Jewish court. And it said, as soon as Peter and John were let go, they went to their friends and told them what the high priest and religious leaders had said, threatening them, that's what they did, never to speak or teach again in the name of Jesus. That's what they said. Don't ever talk about Jesus again. So hearing the report, they lifted their voices in a wonderful harmony in prayer. Strong God, you made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. And then verse 30, take care of their threats and give your servants fearless confidence in preaching your message as you stretch out your hand to us in healings and miracles and wonders done in the name of your holy servant Jesus. While they were praying, the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. So people that were already filled with the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost were filled with the Holy Spirit again whilst there was a building shaking. So let's read the next passage. Hebrews 12, verse 18. Unlike your ancestors, you didn't come to Mount Sinai, all that volcanic blaze and earth-shaking rumble to hear God speak. Then verse 22, no. (laughs) I like that word, no. That's not your experience at all. You've come to Mount Zion, the city where the living God resides. And then in verse 24, you've come to Jesus, who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. And then verse 26, his voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time, he's told us this quite plainly. He's, he'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stern to stern, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but also brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He is actively cleaning house, (laughs) torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, if we turn to Acts 4, you know, here are the disciples, and they are receiving all kinds of threats and warnings. And they came back together with the church. So they didn't stay by themselves. They gathered the church together, and then they prayed, and they did some more praying. So they came back to what the essence or the foundation is of every church. We are a praying community. They didn't form a committee to discuss the cultural relevance of what's just been said or uh, how to best adapt to the threats and, and challenges. No, that's not what they did. They prayed for God to intervene, for his presence to take over every meeting they had. So their prayers were not focused on themselves and on their safety. It probably would be my prayers, to be honest. But on the advance of the kingdom of God. You know, they were not concerned with themselves. You know, if something happens in the church or with me or whatever, you know, I, I, I tend to be scared. I think the worst. First thing in me is think the worst. My, that's why God gave me an A. She doesn't immediately think the worst. She'll have more sense, common sense, doesn't run. So it helps greatly. But (laughs) yes, hallelujah. Praise God. (laughs) But it was not for their protection. But they needed strength to hold on. That's what they were praying for. To not freak out or to give in, but to persevere. It were prayers, actually, that brought the Holy Spirit down. God loves prayers that help us to do what the church is supposed to do. Because God cannot resist underlying faith. 
He never resists underlying faith. And it, it felt a bit like, yes, we've taken some beating. Yes, it's not been easy. But now we are much more ready to run again. We are not here just for ourselves. We are here for the mission. You are not here for yourself. Whatever threats you've received, whatever is happening, it's not about you and me. It's about the whole world out there that needs Jesus. And it's an amazing response. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake. Has any of you been in an earthquake? No. I've felt at times, a few people have. But I, I've been in places where I felt a little bit of tremor and, and rumbles, you know, and the bed shaking a little bit. That's all that I had of. But not a real earthquake. And if you watch the news and Two weeks ago in Iran, Iraq, with the earthquakes and seeing so many people devastated, you watch the news and people ran out of their buildings and they stay outside and don't go back in. So they camp on the streets. There's panic, but not here in Acts 4. There is no fear. There's just faith. It says that the place where they were meeting was shaking. And the question I had when I read this is, why did they respond the way that they did? The place that they were meeting were, they was trembled and shook, but not them. So instead of fear, they responded with faith. The trembling resulted in them being stirred on the inside. So the outside trembling was the inward shaking. So they were not running away from anything. It's like they were running into something whilst this earthquake was happening. And I believe Hebrews 12 gives us some insight in the understanding of their reaction. And they probably knew this. They had that in their spirit. And it's not about earthquakes only. But it also teaches you and me how to respond when we face some real shaking that's going on in our lives too. How do you respond when things are shaking so badly, how do you then keep faith? And Hebrews 12, verse 18, starts with saying that what you and I have not come to. And the words coming to, Tim Keller says about these words to coming to, he says, it refers to a fundamental and spiritual approach to God and to life itself. It is how we handle the unexplainable things in life. When you and I face difficulties and pain, when we face failure or criticism, how do you then approach God at those times? What is your approach to God? Is it help, Lord, we can't cope? What is in your heart? What or to whom are you running when stuff is shaking? The earthquake, the one we haven't come to, that earthquake happened in the past. It happened in the Old Covenant. It had to do with the earth. It had to do with what could not be touched. In those days, the nearness to God was disturbing to people. To get close to God was a fearful thing. You know, Moses went up the mountain, and he came down with the law. But that's so different for us. When Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down. 
Not the law came down, but the Holy Spirit came down. And grace came down. And gifts of grace came down. It's a different world. It's a different picture. We have not come to a mountain that could not be touched. The Hebrew writer now continues and tells what we have come to. Just to say, God is not in every earthquake. So just to settle your minds, he's not in every earthquake. So if there's an earthquake happening in the world, don't think that's God. It could be. But, but he's certainly in some of them. It says, when Jesus was crucified, it says in Matthew 27, the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. And more than 500 people appeared. Bodies appeared to more than 500 people. It's amazing. You simply saw your neighbor walk who was dead. I'm not sure if I like that to happen, you some of you like your neighbors very much, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I would be afraid. I probably would be. When Paul and Silas were taken captive and they were beaten and put in prison, it says, as they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. It says, you have not come to a mountain to be stopped in fear. But you have come to a mountain not to be stopped, but to take you further and to get you on the other side. You have not come to a place to be stopped. You've come to a place to be taken through. God says, you've not come to this one mountain, you've come to another one. You've come to a new way in Jesus Christ. You've come to a new door that is opened, an other possible way to approach God. It's a new way not only to approach God, but also a new way to approach life itself. The beautiful thing with Christians is, we can face the same things as our neighbors, but we approach life in a different way. Not because we are clever, more clever than the rest. Not because we've got more insight than the rest, but because we've got Jesus. He is a new way. He is the new door. It's a new way to face the things that you, are, you and I are facing from time to time. You and I have come to. That is in the present tense. In other words, you can experience it on a daily basis. So one of those unshakable things is presented here in Hebrews. Three unshakable things. So what is in Jesus Christ unshakable? Firstly, you and I have got an unshakable future. We have come to another mountain. We are part of another city. And we start to understand that God is sovereign and he is in charge. My future, your future, what lies before you is in the hands of God. And he knows exactly. So you can rest today. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, please apply it. Let the Holy Spirit apply it to your heart. For it's a beautiful thing to know that God is in charge. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He is always there. He knows what's coming. So don't be afraid. 
when you and I are out of our own resources, you have no finance, no work, or whatever's happening, or no how to, whatever it is. What we've got ahead of us is what cannot be shaken and will never change. That is your future. It's secure. Your name is written, and you know Jesus Christ is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's there, never to disappear. Secondly, it says, you and I have come to an unshakable joy, to a joyful assembly. In the Greek, it says, to an incredible wild party. <laughs> You've come to an incredible, you look very serious today, but it's an incredible wild party. Not a nice, smiling community. Well, there's nothing wrong with a nice, smiling community, but this is exuberant. This is very excited, and someone said, shoutfully joyful. It's not like the emotional, stable, and an unmovable Dutch Christians. <laughs> Singing a few hymns on a Sunday morning. It is a celebration. We sang about the celebration. It's a celebration. And the word there is festival. I think festival is a fantastic word for any church meeting, meeting any time. Festival. You and I have come to. So it's in the present tense. You can experience this unshakable joy in the midst of all the shaking that goes on in your life. If your life and my life is built on Jesus Christ and he's the rock and the foundation of our lives, whatever happens, there can still be a joy welling up on the inside. We can still come to Jesus and find real joy deep within. Thirdly, you and I have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous man made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood. And that in itself could take us weeks to unwrap. But the Hebrew writer writes all of this in one breath. And he says, all of this has to do with judgment and the effects of judgment in our lives when we come to Jesus. You know what the judgments of God do? It says here, righteous man being made perfect. His judgment has a cleansing effect and not a stopping effect. You and I have come to, and in the past by fear would be stopped. But now, we come to the Mount, Mount Zion, to a new door, and God takes us through to come out on the other end. By the judgment of God, we are cleansed. So he has stopped, I'm a sinner, but going through with Jesus Christ, coming out on the other side, I'm now a saint. I'm the same person, but have come to another way. He has opened the door and has changed our lives. The judgment of God has a cleansing effect on our lives. If you allow God and you allow the blood of Jesus Christ to touch your life, you will become a different person. And what it says is this, you've got an unshakable identity 
as his children. You're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. His judgment brings security, not condemnation. You can be so secure in Jesus and know that your righteousness is God's. What we have come to is God himself. We've come to Jesus and to his blood. So all the shaking is about us building our lives and our faith on an unchangeable character of God and his unchangeable promises to us. So when we come back to the prayer meeting in Acts 4, when the shaking is happening, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So through the shaking, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were filled with boldness, with an unshakable faith. So let me try and put some flesh to the bones of what I've just said and hopefully make it some, some more practical. So what can you expect when you pray? What can you expect when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? And in a moment later on, I'll probably do an invitation for you to receive the Holy Spirit again afresh for all of us. If you want that, if you're thirsty, you can come and drink. Because what the Holy Spirit does is to give us this inner security that your life and my life can take some beating over various seasons. seasons. You know, sometimes you can as a Christian, although you know Jesus and you love Jesus and you're walking with Jesus, through things that happen in your life, you can become very vulnerable and sometimes more now than you did in the past. You know, I found this, that sometimes we can take one beating or two beatings or something that happens and we can just about cope with it and find Jesus in it again. But sometimes life is like a crowding in of all these things that are happening and they happen one thing after the other and suddenly you lose it and you don't know how to get back on track. You know, when you have many painful moments. And then you feel you're more vulnerable than you were before. That's not a bad thing because God loves us in our weakness because then he can show his strength to us. But when you're watching the world and everything that goes around it, you might feel, I don't feel that safe anymore. But God wants to remind us today that what you and I believe about our future will have an effect on how we live our lives today. It will have an effect on how we we respond. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot do that by yourself. Like I said earlier, when you know Jesus, your name is written in heaven. You have an unshakable future. Whatever happens, you're safe. We have come to an unshakable future, to an unshakable joy, and to an unshakable identity. Not because we feel great, not because our circumstances are great, but because we trust God. And we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we trust God to act. You know, our trust is not that we act. Our trust is that he will act. (laughs) And sometimes we say we trust God, but our actions don't prove that really. Many years ago, we had those, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to those, those Bible weeks. 
uh, where we did the camping. Remember that? Some of you do. I vividly remember some of them. And then uh, they were in England. And apart from what we see out there now, most of the times in the summer it rained. <laughs> so we had two of these rainy Bible weeks, one after the other. And then the third one came. And so one of the preachers stood up and was just about to preach. He said, who of you has got faith that this year will have wonderful weather? So everyone raised their hands. And then he said, who of you brought up wellies and umbrellas? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's that kind of thing with faith. <laughs> yes, I believe, but just in case, Lord. That does rain. Help us. <clears throat> you know, what we, sometimes we have the wrong uh, presumption on uh, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes people think that through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we ourselves are better equipped so we don't need so much of God because we've got the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is God, and you need him very much so. So it's not that you become less dependent on God when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You become more dependent on God. It, it's the other way around. It's not that you, you are better equipped so you can handle it yourself. No, uh, the Holy Spirit shows you you need God all the time. So if you think you can do it, then you probably need more of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's what God is saying. It is leaning on him rather than on our own strength. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you tend to lean more on God and not less on God. So if you want to become more dependent on God, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Another thing we might learn from these verses is this. Nothing will stay the same. Everything will change. Things or people that present themselves as strong and irremovable are in reality very shaky. Those things that look too powerful for you to ever change or be removed Compared with the God who's shaking everything, nothing will last unless it's built on Jesus Christ himself. David says in the Psalms, your loving kindness is better than life itself. God's love is more, God's love is more solid than life itself. You and I can depend totally on his love. God's presence means that his love washes over us. And it says about that, it will never change. It will never disappear. It will never run dry. You and I have come to. Being filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with the presence of God. Here in Acts 4, people were intimidated by other people. And that might bring fear of man in your life. But the Holy Spirit will help us to keep our eyes fully focused on God himself. You know, on those things that seemed, seem impossible to change. You know, you may, might be praying for um, your neighbors or your friends or your 
husband or your wife or your children or colleagues. And it might take a time. And you might think, well, they seem to be so unchangeable, I'm not sure if it's ever going to happen. If God good news for you, it can happen. It can happen. And uh, I was just reminded of that uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, our son, who is in Redeemer Church, The Hague, part of the eldership team, and with his wife, and they've been reaching out to their neighbors since they've been living there seven years ago. So they invited them to everything, and, um, but they've got great friendships with them. They've got, uh, they do barbecues together, meals, go to parks, whatever. And so they just try to win them by example, just by talking to them. And a couple of weeks ago, after seven years, the lady got ill or had some trouble, and, and they said, why don't you come to church? Come with us. And she did. And since that time, she can't stop speaking about Jesus. Got a Bible. Can't stop reading about it. Can't stop praying. And she, her life is changing. She's now taken her sons with, with her. Husband is utterly refusing. And uh, he's one of those unshakable ones. And so we trust God that God will shake him up and change his life. But some things that seem so irremovable, irreplaceable, never happen. God can do it in a moment. Being filled with the Holy Spirit helps us to not give up. And to be honest, I find that one of the most challenging things in the Christian life. To not give up, but to persevere. You know, sometimes I have been very near, very close to giving up. You know, I don't find life as a Christian that easy at times. But by the grace of God, we find God in life that isn't easy. <laughs> and he's helped us too. But I think Renee and I would say we needed desperately the Holy Spirit at times. Not just, not just to get us started, but for us to finish well. So, in an unshakable world, you and I, an unstable world, you and I can live unshakable lives. And uh, I think that's the invitation for this morning. And I felt rather than me doing a lot of preaching on it, it'd be wonderful if we can open our lives up to God and to invite Him to <coughs> into our hearts. You know when. It's amazing what Jesus in John 7, you know, when you have this big crowd and they're gathering for this big Hosanna festival, this feast, and um, on that day, you know, the, the priest would uh, take uh, water from the, the pool of Siloam and bring it to the altar and walk around it seven times, and all this water was poured out, and whilst all that was happening and thousands of people watching, Jesus suddenly with a loud voice says, come to me. Whoever of you is thirsty, come to me and drink. He's, he would basically say, you see the water, but that's not it. I am. Come to me and drink. If you are thirsty, come and drink. If you believe, then streams of living water will flow from within you. So it is 
a bit conditional, it's if. And the only if is, the only thing that is required is if you're thirsty. I don't know about you, I'm not always able to express my thirst. But thirst is basically, I need more of you, Lord. So if you're thirsty, Jesus invites us to come and drink. And for the disciples, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, I said to you before, it wasn't their first time. And it wasn't their last time either. They were open to receive again. And it made them ready for their next season. And maybe you're here, you're listening to all of this, and you don't know Jesus. You never met him as your savior. You've never experienced the love of Jesus before in your life. You know, you might have had that picture, well, I come to Jesus, that's fr- I'm afraid, because I need to surrender, or I need to do so many other things, or give up, whatever. God doesn't want you to come to a mountain, <laughs> to a big thing and say, I'm stopped, I can't go any further. God wants to take you through things in life. For you to come on the other side and experience that great future of having a heaven and having eternal life. He wants you to go through it and experience great joy in your life. He wants you to go through it and find you've got a new identity. You're no longer a sinner. You're no longer wrestling with all these things, but you can be there safe on the other side. And if that's you, if, if I make that appeal, it might be for different people, very different, but if you're there and you love to meet Jesus, I'd love to pray for you because he loves you. But for others, if your life feels shaking a bit in this season, or you feel much vulnerable, why not come and receive a fresh being filled with the Spirit again? You might sit here and face things that you feel they're never going to change. It might be the people that you love to pray for. It might be circumstances or situations that look irremovable or nothing's going to change. Why not come to God? Why not come to Jesus, to his blood, and to find that he's able to shake everything? If you're stuck in one place and feel it's not going to move, why not stand together and pray for God to change it? Can we stand? Can I have the worship band back up? Is that okay? I'd love us to have a moment to pray. And uh, after that, I'll probably just invite you, if, if you're thirsty, to come and drink. If there's a specific thing that God has been speaking to you, uh, I will ask others to pray with you as well. But in our praying for one another, don't, uh, don't spend much time in talking. Just say, it's this that I've come for. And let's believe that God by his spirit will do that. And that he will lead us and you will get what you ask. The beauty with God is that you will get what you ask. So let's ask for much.
and let's invite him. Father, we are so aware of the fact that of all the things that has been shared and I've shared, Lord, that much of it we cannot do by ourselves. It's not that we try to be better or do it better, Lord, but we need your help. Lord, and where we've been so by ourselves or sometimes through circumstances of life, forced almost to find our way out or try to get our way out, that you just want us to be lean in on you, Lord, to become dependent on you. And Father, as we are praying for one another, I do pray, Holy Spirit, will you equip us with this unshakable joy and this unshakable future and this unshakable identity. Lord, we pray that you will break through and break open all the things that seem to be so irreplaceable or irremovable or not changing at all, that, Father, we'll find a great breakthrough as a result of your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your presence, Lord. We welcome you to fill us again. And, Father, I pray that you'll find many of us hungry and thirsty for more of you. We're not coming to a preacher. We're not coming to people. We're not coming to a church. We're coming to the living God. We're coming to you, Jesus. We're coming to you for drink. We're coming to you for more. We're coming to you for the Holy Spirit. You are the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, and we thank you, Jesus, for doing the things that we cannot do. Lord, we are those that have found a new way, another door, Lord, we're not stopped. You are taking us through to the other side. Take us through, Lord, today to the other side. Even if we go through a valley of shadow of death, we are coming on the other side. Lord, lead us on. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.